Welcome to the All-in-One Podcast for Middle School Language Arts Teachers. I'm Linda, and I've been a teacher for over 30 years. I can help you with tips, tricks, and motivation that will simplify your planning, streamline your teaching, and enjoy more free time. Well, hey there, it's Linda. I hope all is going well in your world and that you are enjoying your summer. I am so excited to continue with our back to school series. This is the second episode in the series. If you didn't listen to the first, we talked about three things that you can do now in the summer from home to make your life much easier and actually less stressful. I know we hate talking about back to school in July, but the reality is, it is a reality. And if we do nothing, it stresses us. So if you are feeling stressed, and I dare say many of you do, and want some easy remedies, start with episode one. Today, we are going to be discussing what to consider when setting up your language arts classroom. Before we begin, I want to make sure that you know that I will be mentioning a few valuable freebies and some other products. They will all be linked in the show notes for your convenience, so don't forget to check them out. So like I said in my other back to school podcast, let's make this as quick and as painless as possible, kind of like ripping off a band-aid. And honestly, that's how I always felt about setting up my room. Thinking about it was so much worse than actually doing it. And there are two camps of people here when it comes to classroom setup. Some want to do it in the summer because their mind is clear and many teachers thrive on structure. For me, I felt so much less stress doing this before school started, mostly because it was weighing in on my mind. Um, And some teachers though, and rightfully so, don't feel that you should volunteer your time and set up in the summer. And believe me, there were many years where I'm like, I'm not going to go in, I'm not going to do that. And I always folded in the end because the stress was weighing me down. But what I want to emphasize here is that it doesn't matter what camp of teachers you fall into. What matters is that we all have to set up our room at some point. So I want to give you seven key ideas to focus on when setting up your room. I'm going to go in the order that I felt worked for me, meaning that I did one item, I did item one first, then item two second, and so on. And obviously you do what works for you, but this is sort of my recipe with many, many years of experience to hone in on that recipe. I can actually set up my room in two two two-hour sessions, and that includes all the bells and whistles. As a note, my room has to be completely dismantled every year at the end because we do recreation camp in my room. So I cannot leave anything out, including bulletin board paper or even one thing left on a shelf. It all has to be covered. It's like I'm moving out every year which really, really, really stinks, but it is what it is. So I really have to start from scratch. And like I said, to do that in two two two-hour sessions 
is very manageable for me personally. And I don't have to tell you all the stuff a language arts classroom contains. It's so much and it can be a bit laborious. I also teach one section of social studies and I do incorporate that, but I'm not going to get into that for purposes of this podcast. Okay, so let's dive in on how I manage this quickly and, well, mostly painlessly. So for step one, very first thing I do is I set up my students' desks. This task takes me about 10 minutes, quite frankly. I average about 20 to 24 kids per class. I have tried what I believe is every reasonable setup when it comes to desks. I have started my year with my desks in all different configurations because I like to change them up and I like to have a fresh frame of mind and Every single year, I go back to what I do all the time, and that is with my desks formed into tables and sets of four. And believe me, I have wanted to use that cool U-shape or some other funky setups like I've seen on Pinterest, but when it comes down to it, I need my kids in partnerships for reading and writing workshop. They need to be able to talk to each other. And I often do centers or stations in both language arts and social studies. So having tables is really key. And I set up, when I say my tables, that means it's a set of four desks set up into a table. My tables are all pushed towards the locus of instruction, which is the whiteboard where I project and write things. So I move them all up as close to me as I can get them while still being able to walk around comfortably, obviously. Then the back of the room is left open to set aside for other things, which I'll get into in a moment. Also, there are times when I might temporarily move my desks into other formations, but for me, the sets of four is what I need on a day-to-day basis. Now think about what works best for you, but if you do reading and writing workshop, this will work very well for you. And it makes and makes setting up student desks the first thing you do. And like I said, that should take you about 10 minutes. Okay, number two, and this sounds silly, but put a physical number on each desk and chair. I use a sticker and a permanent marker to do this. For those of you who taught during the pandemic, you know you had to keep pristine seating charts because of contact tracing. And I was going absolutely crazy with this, just like every other teacher was going absolutely crazy with this. You know, as a middle school teacher, I have five sets of kids coming in every day. And at the beginning, my students came in every other day and it was very difficult for me to maintain who sat where. So I finally, finally figured out after like 30 years of teaching that I would put a number on the desk, create a chart that just had numbers and room for a student name. And it worked out so well. Now I didn't put the number like prominently on the desk. I kind of put it on the side of the desk and on the bottom of the chair, but it just really helped me out and made it such a streamlined way to do a seating chart. I can't make all these configurations. I'm not good with that, like 
making like a almost like a map I just want a chart with numbers and a name and so that worked out perfectly for me and I did this for my chairs because it was seen as important during the pandemic I will tell you though it's continued to help me post pandemic it's so easy to give a substitute a list of who should sit where and when chairs get all jumbled it's easy to see where they go and if you're like me I change desks about every month because we switch reading and writing units and they get a new partner and now they're sitting in a different location. And then it takes me minutes to update my list. Um, it's been a real lifesaver when it comes to seating charts. Okay, and that task should take you about 10 minutes to do, maybe 15 by the time you get everything all numbered. All right, on to number three. The next thing that I recommend setting up is where your library corner should be. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't have a library corner. I really want to emphasize to you the importance of a physical library corner. Now mine is pretty sweet, I am going to say, and it comes from years of begging on when we were told we could put in a bigger order and I have finagled my way for items such as a rug, a couch, and bean bags, and I even scored a great rocking chair from a neighbor who was getting rid of it. And some of these items came from our PTO will do wish lists and things like that. And I'm a pretty good finagler to get what I want from my classroom. So I completely understand this though if you are not in the same position as a first year teacher or maybe your school just can't accommodate this kind of a request. But do try to do something to set the stage to at least define that area in some way, shape, or form. And you have to get created. I've, in the beginning, brought in old rugs, rugs from home, and yes, I have purchased things like pillows, and I'm not suggesting that you do this. Um, another idea is to leave the area open and to just add to it little by little. Depending on where you teach, a back-to-school night, you can let parents know that that big empty space in the back is for your library corner and that you're looking to outfit it, and you'll be surprised that maybe some parents will uh, volunteer to help you with items. In any event, I get that not everyone teaches in a district where they can pull this off, and not everyone wants to bring in items from home, and you might not even be allowed to. But do your best to try to make it happen because it becomes this magical little place in your room where students will want to work during reading and writing workshop time. In fact, kids are clamoring to get to this area, so I have to randomly select groups each day to go there because they all want to cram in there. Okay, and obviously you're going to need bookshelves, so you want to have your library corner near your bookshelves. And I'm praying that you have bookshelves in a language arts classroom. And if not, you can do makeshift with maybe some crates or something like that. I am lucky because I have some built-ins and some low movable bookshelves. And by the way, again, I remember walking when I started uh, teaching language arts in the middle school, walking around the school and seeing um, different pieces of furniture that people had pushed aside and, and inquiring if they were using them and sending out emails if anybody has a bookshelf that they're not using in their classroom 
that kind of stuff really helped me to get what I needed. So I use my movable bookcases to create like a little border to keep it cozy and to set it off from the rest of the room. And I'm lucky because they're very low. I wouldn't put anything too high where kids are, are sort of hidden. And setting up your bookshelves is very involved, like meaning how you organize your books. In fact, it's going to be next week's podcast episode, so stay tuned for that. Okay, number four. Decide on how you will use your bulletin board and wall space. I talked about bulletin boards in my last episode. If you listened, you heard me say that this is my least favorite task to do in my classroom. I'm not really sure why it conjures up such feelings of dread. I think it goes back to my days when I first started teaching and I was teaching full day kindergarten. And there was kind of like this weird competitive air in the, within the like, K-1-2 teachers to have these unbelievable bulletin boards. I, I don't know, but I dread thinking about bulletin boards. So I had to figure out a way to make it less dreadful. In any event, the first thing you need to do is to consider how you will use your bulletin board and wall space. My advice is for you to consider three things when deciding on bulletin boards. So first, for me, they have to be functional. They are prime real estate in my room and they have to function really, really well and be useful to the kids and not just be cutesy and decorative. Number two to consider with bulletin boards, that they have to last all year. There is no way I am redoing a bulletin board in the middle of the year. Teaching language arts is so time consuming and I personally don't have the time and if I did have the time, I wanted to go to something else. And number three, the bulletin board needs to be interactive, in my opinion. I don't just want a display. I want kids to have a part in it and to use it. So I'll give you an example. One of my bulletin board spaces is dedicated to the books that kids read throughout the year. It is a year-round interactive reading display. I put up a sign about reading and then kids add reading reviews to this board as they finish a book. So I print blank reading reviews and keep them handy in a basket all year so that kids can just grab and go. I even have thumbtacks available so they can hang them themselves I, and I may go back and reposition them and then staple them. But I love this so much that I made it into a product on my TPT store. I'm going to link it for you in the show notes and I'm telling you it is a lifesaver and it looks really great and the kids really do use it not only to put their own reviews but to look and see what other kids are reading for a reading suggestion if they don't know what they want to read next. And another area of my room is not actually a bulletin board but it is blank wall and it's where I hang my anchor charts. If you teach reading and writing workshop, you know that anchor charts are a huge component. I need a spot where kids can reference mini lessons that have been taught so they can apply it to their reading and writing. And I make these interactive as well. And here's an example of how I do this. Let's say we did a mini lesson on internal monologue and the importance of this in writing your narrative. 
I would create an anchor chart, which is actually the important ideas of the mini lesson that I write on large chart paper. My chart paper is actually a giant post-it. I'm sure you've seen them before. Then, as I do now one day, I might ask kids to write something that they are thinking of at this moment to represent the concept of internal monologue. And then I would have them post it all around the anchor chart. So it becomes a much more useful and interactive component of my wall space. Um, let me give you another one more idea for a bulletin board. A bulletin board space will always go in my room to some current student writing. But by the way, I almost never post a full piece of writing unless it's something like a poem or a short activity. Because you know what? No one wants to read a student's essay because they're pretty boring, let's be honest. If we do write a literary essay, though, what I might do is focus on text evidence. So I might have kids then use a piece of text evidence that they think is interesting and create a little mini poster for it, which means basically they would write out their text evidence and maybe decorate it a little or do it on their Chromebook and print it out. And then, so they might take that text evidence, type it out in large font, find an image to represent it and print it and cite, I'm sorry, they should cite that text evidence properly. And then I would hang that up. This way, my bulletin board is filled with interesting quotes from books that are easily read and not an entire student essay. And although this bulletin board changes throughout the year, my kids really do this because I just leave thumbtacks for them to hang it up. And like I said, I might anchor it a little bit more, but it's very, very easy and very interactive and very meaningful. I also suggest hanging up items somewhere in your room for the entire year that contain basic information. For me, that is things like literary terms and essay writing steps. Be sure to use it though. So for example, I have kids constantly asking me how to write a thesis, even though I have explained it to them, even though they have notes on it, even though it's in their Google Classroom, you, you know the drill if you teach. Um, so what do I do? I direct them to the bulletin board display. And I do have some classroom decor sets. I mean, I loosely call them decor because they are more for function than for aesthetic, but I do have them on my TPT shop. And I even have an essay set that is a freebie. And like I said, I will link those in the show notes. And by the way, I only have two bulletin boards. For these, I put magnetic strips on them and display them on my metal bookcases. You can also use blank wall space and use fun tack or tape. So that reading stuff goes on my metal uh, bookcase with magnetic tape. And while I do take a lot of pride in making my room pretty, what really makes it look great is that my displays are mostly student work. The only real work I do is hanging paper and lettering but be sure to listen to the previous episode for about this for tips. Okay, number five, decide where your teacher desk will go. This is not the biggest item that I will talk about here, but it's quite important. You obviously need to be near outlets that can handle your device. I like to keep my desk in the front corner of the room. 
There are very few times that I sit there during class, but when I am presenting and using my device to project a lesson, I like to be near all my stuff. This way, if I'm sitting, I can see the class from my vantage point. And honestly, it is important to have a comfortable home base for prep periods and such. I also keep it on the side of the room that has a bookcase behind me, so I have a place for my purse and lunchbox and other teacher items, like my clipboards, my books, etc. I also found it really, really helpful to keep my conference table close to my desk. This way, again, all my stuff is close by and I'm not schlepping it all around. I also like my location because it is close to the magnetic wipe away board, so I take a little of that space for myself to easily hang schedules, notes, and important info from admin. So give it some thought and think about what your ideal situation would be and try to check off as many boxes as possible. You're not going to have the perfect setup. Nobody does, but try to get as close to that as you can. Okay, on to item six. Set up a student shelf. Now this might sound crazy, and some of you don't have a lot of real estate to spare in your room, but hear me out. I really encourage you to do this because it honestly will change your classroom life. Yes, I know that sounds dramatic, but it is very true. Let me give you a scenario. You've given an amazing mini lesson. You've got kids off working with their partners and they are engaged in their writing. You sit down to conference with your first group and you're interrupted constantly by kids asking you for a pencil or a band-aid or a piece of paper. For me, I honestly refuse to deal with this. I know that sounds mean, but I honestly refuse. I cannot afford interruptions. I just can't. The curriculum is jam-packed, and so many variables take place on a day-to-day -day basis that are out of my control, like a fire drill, that I will not let a 12-year-old interrupt the flow due to something that they are more than capable of handling. So... I use one shelf in my room with a huge sign that says, you guessed it, student shelf. And I stock it with pencils, the kind that say teacher's pencils so that I can be sure to get them back. Uh, pens, tissues, band-aids, paper, anything that they are constantly needing. And P.S. If a kid leaves their pencil or pen behind, that becomes my property. <laughs> Finders keepers that goes right on my shelf. And by the way, if there's no pencils left, and we all know the, the saga of the mysterious disappearing pencils in our room. It's like, we, what are they doing? Are they eating them? I call that a you problem to the student and they have to ask to borrow. You know, and I tell them. Do not come in here to language arts without a pencil. It's it just, you have to have at least a pencil, right? Um, so I tell them that's a you problem and you, you'll need to borrow from another student. So this is the shelf. The student shelf is the shelf that they do not need permission to use. It's there for them. I also keep my sign out book here because they have to sign out in a physical book. And if you don't have a, a, any shelf space, get creative, maybe use a small cart or a table, but honestly, use something and tell them about it. 
Be emphatic that this is their shelf and they are not to interrupt you if the shelf can solve their problem. Okay, I promise you I'm a nice teacher, but being a nice teacher means I need time to meet with my students and help them. And I just cannot have these 12 year olds running the show when it comes to things like that. Okay, <laughs> enough of that. Number seven and last, but certainly not least, is you want to add your decorative touches. Um, this is, in my opinion, the most fun. And adding your decorative touches is kind of what personalizes your room and personal, you know, kids can kind of see what you're all about. I, by the way, have a well thought out and lively functional room, but I do not have a Pinterest worthy room. It's, it's not important to me. I want my room mostly decorated by books, kids work and functional items that are organized and not cluttered. But hey, if you want to decorate to the nines and be a Pinterest teacher, have at it all the more power to you. I do I will say though I use a bit of a color theme so that it's not kind of clashing all over the place. I like a vivid palette with just a few colors and I stick to them for bulletin board paper and lettering. But that's about it. Um, I do like having little signs and gifts from students in the past that are appropriate to display throughout the room. For example, you know, kids who give you a, a world's greatest teacher sign that, you know, I would obviously use that in my room. Um, and it, I am really good at going to the dollar store for little decorative touches. Like I said before, um, I want functional bulletin boards, but it is fun to put up the lettering and add some decorative touches because this is going to be your home away from home. And many will, of you will spend more time here than you do in your actual home. Um, pictures of your family are great so kids can see you as an actual human. And this is something that can definitely wait and get done little by little as you are inspired within the first month or so of school. Okay, so that wasn't too bad, right? Think about how much time each of these things are going to take you. It's not a whole lot. Probably, you know, the library corner and bulletin boards will take you the most time. Um, we talked about student desks and why you should number them. We talked about your library corner, bulletin boards, and teacher desk. And lastly, we talked about using some decorative touches without driving yourself crazy. I really wish I could give you all a magic wand and have your room set up for you. Honestly, though, if you go in with a purpose and a list of what you want to accomplish, you will save yourself so much time and you won't be meandering all over the place. And, and believe me, I've done that plenty of time. Um, and it, it comes through experience and it comes through having really a list and a plan that makes you get in there and be very efficient. And don't feel like you have to do it all at once or in the summer. It's simply not necessary. And this could all get done just little by little. And I would love to hear how your room setup is going. So if you can, please leave a comment. I hope this information was helpful. Be sure to check the links that I mentioned in the show notes. My email is available there as well in case you have questions or comments. You can also DM me on Instagram at all in one middle school. 
Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.